providing real solutions for real industry challenges. Welcome to FNF Unplugged, the talk of the title industry. Well, thanks everyone for joining us uh, here again today on uh, FNF Unplugged. Really happy and pleased that our guest today is Nicole Booth, who is Executive Vice President uh, for Public Affairs for Notarize. And uh, if any of you have been to any of the trade association meetings, especially to all to one, you've probably had the opportunity and pleasure to hear Nicole speak. And uh, I can't think of anybody more knowledgeable about uh, you know what we're going through in our industry with remote online notarization and, and uh, everything that surrounds that than Nicole. And so, Nicole, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Well, as we all are, because, uh, well, and let me, before we get uh, into the uh, topics, the conversation, question we routinely ask of our guests, you know, how did you get into this business? Because my guess is when your first grade teacher asked what you wanted to do with your life, you didn't say, well, I want to grow up and provide people with the ability to securely and legally acknowledge documents online. <laughs> it's, it's not something I learned in college, that's for sure. I, uh, following a time on Capitol Hill and then a consultant firm, I wanted to dig deep into a business, a policy issue, long-term relationship building. And I made the jump into housing finance policy and then dabbled and found passion in regulatory issues that unintentionally could impact the mortgage world. And a lot of those were related to tech and data protection. And so that path led me to modernizing the closing process and focusing on remote online notarization. And so finally wanting to expand my knowledge of um, an understanding of technology, I made the jump to notarize in August 2020. And, and since then have built out a full service public affairs team with advocacy, policy and, and community engagement. It's, it's been a great ride. Well, that's great. And uh, again, uh, yes, uh, such an interesting turn from where you started, especially on Capitol Hill. And and say, and I, I've known Pat Kinzel for, I guess now going on eight years, when uh, he and I started uh, talking uh, many years ago about uh, what Notarize was looking to do and accomplish uh, throughout the country. And uh, certainly it's been a long effort to get uh, Ron legalized state by state, COVID accelerated some of that adoption, at least temporarily, if not permanently, uh, in many states, but we now see the vast majority of states uh, having permanently adopted um, remote online notarization for at least some capacity of documentation. What are you seeing and what are, at Notarize, what are you uh, thinking as to 2022, now that we have the vast majority of states uh, granting the uh, authority to uh, do remote online notarization? As you said, you know, there's been a long effort by Pat as a pioneer in this space and understanding what happens when you're waiting outside of the hall to testify at a hearing and then they decide to roll your bill to the next day so you have to stay another night and go back to testify and you know he's spent many years advocating in communities we serve to notaries government and industry partners across the u.s and so we don't look at Ron as being a pandemic-fueled fad. I mean, obviously, the pandemic certainly helped to propel some states forward and give more notaries access and then increase consumer awareness, which I think is one of the biggest things. But, you know, we look at it as an option here to stay, and we expect those Ron laws to 
continue and expand across the U.S. So a little couple numbers for you. In 2021, 10 states passed permanent remote online notarization to allow notaries of those states to have another tool in their toolkit to do closings. We led or worked with coalitions, including the MBA, Altenar, and state affiliations. And, you know, uh, I, it's worth saying that housing, the real estate industry, continues to be a driving force in this area as they're looking at modernizing the mortgage process. So today you have 38 states that have passed laws authorizing their state notaries to perform RON. Most recently, and I know we were, we've been talking about it and worth noting is the state of New York in December 2021. By the way, if you're counting, South Dakota changed some interpretation. So we look at it as a state we need to go back and re-engage and amend with. So we get to 38. Sometimes you see 39 as a number. So now we're heading into whatever our new norm may be. We're continuing to clear that regulatory road, work with states to permanently authorize RON to not just provide continuity of service for those states with temporary provisions, but work with all of them to make sure that RON is available for their constituents and notaries permanently. So I think 2022 will be another great year as we work on those remaining states. Well, and that's exciting to hear. And I think it's really important. I'll just throw in here for your comments, you know, when, uh, when Pat and I started talking about this uh, some time ago, and, and of course, it always is the discussion that, well, you know, millennials want to do everything on their phone. As far as that Ron usage, and I've heard from this from agents, and so I'm sure you have too, it's not just something for people who are under 30, uh, that is a lot of, a lot of seniors are using it. Isn't that correct? That's correct. It crosses all generations. Yeah, I think that's, you know, a very important thing for people to uh, think about that it's not uh, sort of a uh, one market kind of thing. And, you know, one of the issues that uh, I've heard from various title agents about remote online notarization, and, and of course, as you well know, there are a number of people out there, different platforms that we have seen. They are all over the board. Uh, you all are, to my mind, the leaders, not just uh, in terms of uh, your initiatives, but also as far as uh, your technological capabilities and ease of use. But, you know, what I've heard is that, well, it could be cumbersome for consumers as to the authentication and the use of its security measures. What do you see about that? And what changes have you seen or do you see coming that may ease that use or make it simpler for people to understand how to uh, use RON while retaining the cybersecurity and data privacy. Well, and I think it's worth mentioning, you know, you were talking about the different age groups and diversity of the consumer who wants access to remote online notarization. And I would like to, to take that one step further and even say, it's not just wanting the access, it's expecting, you know, to have different menu of options to complete whatever they're trying to do in their day-to-day lives. So with that expectation, we want to make sure that when they're going through the process, it is safe and secure. And so we think that those safety and security features of RON are what makes it so powerful and that's critical to success. And I know I'm talking a lot about legislative and regulatory framework, but that's really some things needed to be changed and updated to allow this industry to expand. And so the framework was purposely designed with multiple layers for protection of the consumer and the integrity of the notarial act. I would argue that remote online notarization isn't supposed to be easy because we still want to hold true or even exceed the fraud prevention standards of notarizations. 
but it is definitely more convenient than the traditional in-person paper process. So when we're thinking about big groundbreaking changes, I believe education is still required in the current process and the current, because we're still, you know, again, we're coming to whatever our, our new norm is. The consumer is having some expectations of having this available to them. Um, but with that said, a, you know, a key tenant to a vast majority of remote online neutralization laws that exist today is that it's technology neutral. And this will allow RON technology vendors to work on some of those cumbersome features and then have states adapt to new technologies so that RON can continue to improve and advance over time. Well, and I think your point too about, you know, that, that sort of variety of real estate experience. I've been involved in this industry now for, dare I say, over 40 years. And uh, until really the last half dozen years, the transactions generally happen pretty much the same way as they had in the previous 30 years or beyond that as far as documentation. But yes, you know, people now are looking for that variety of experience in realty and lending and certainly in title and settlements to be able to have those different opportunities. Your thoughts about that too, you know, as far as that variety of experience, when you're talking to uh, whether it's people on the Hill or in state capitals and, and things of that nature, what sort of things do they bring up in regard to that as far as consumer experience? What are those conversations like? And are there arguments, and I mean that in the literal sense of the word, from them as to, um, you know, why should we do these things? Sure. I think, you know, some of the conversations that we have had in the past, the first state to pass online notarization was in Virginia in 2011. And so I think some of the conversations have changed over the years. And then again, in 2020, at the height of the pandemic, things were, were accelerated. And then now you have more of a proven process because of that acceleration. And so we're talking a lot about saving time, reducing the number of mistakes made in the process, which obviously consumers and regulators come together and, and, and like that, you don't have to go back. And at the end, end of that, it ends up saving money as well. And so as with any new technology, there's there's a learning curve and there's still some education that continues. And you know, when we work with the state, we try to work with the regulator and then go into the community and talk to industry partners or consumer-focused groups to talk about digital access and inclusion. And so we feel that a lot of the benefits, once we do that education, really speak for themselves and drive towards that continued adoption. What I'm hearing more and more in communities, it's it's not if, it's when this process is available, if they don't even currently have it now, it's what does it look like that works best for their community. So it's clear that momentum is on the side of Ron and as more and more states bring it to their notaries, I suspect you'll see more companies even outside of the real estate space jumping in to adopt the technology. Well, and I'll put in a shameless plug for both of us here too, because I know that on your website, you have the Notarize Academy where there's Ron 101, I think is the title of it <laughs> uh, for title agents to explain the process. And likewise at FNF, we have the same thing available through our educational facilities for consumers and, and for our agents. So yeah, I, you know, I think your point about getting people on board as to understanding this, and that's obviously been a lot of the conversation you've had with uh, regulators and legislators. For sure. It's like, who's that guy, Ron, that you keep talking about? You know, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so it's good to have materials to 
to have some explanation and educate around that. Yeah, and something else too, which you and I have talked about, and uh, uh, and in my experience, and I say this as an attorney licensed in a couple different states, um, and uh, uh, and again, you know, I try to go through that twelve-step process. But as an attorney, I can never admit there's a power higher than myself. You know, there have been opponents to Ron who have argued that it opens the door to fraud, and frankly, I have heard a lot of that from a lot of attorneys. Uh, particularly in states where attorneys tend to handle real estate transactions either by law, regulation, or by custom. I think it is just the opposite. But can you discuss how using Ron actually significantly reduces the potential for fraud? Yeah, you're exactly right. It is, it's the opposite. Ron is based, as I said earlier, on a multi-purposeful, multi-layered approach with security and fraud prevention at its core. It's it just builds a bridge to modern technologies instead of in-person pen and paper. So, you know, getting to that multi-layered approach, it includes multi-factor authentication, um, multi-factor identity uh, authentication processes, you know, including two forms of ID, identity proofing and notary validation. I always like to highlight that in this multi-layered process is the notary. There's still that live human interaction that's critical to the success of the process. And then that commission notary public is live in secure audio video connection. So when, again, when we're talking about QA and, and QC, you know, getting us away from relying on paper will help us lessen a risk of missing a file or errors. Because with Ron, we have, you know, access to the, the audio video recording. We have notary journals that are electronically stored and encrypted, making them resilient. We have, for instance, our platform ensures accurate and compliant recording, keeping by automatically retaining tamper evident and password protected journals. There's an audit trail. There's tamper evident technology applied to the document, ensuring integrity. And then last but not least, worth mentioning is at the end of the session, a digital seal is applied, making any modification obvious moving forward. So all of these are very purposely in this process to make sure that they're, the process is safe and, and secure. And so my hope is, and I failed to mention earlier, a lot of the states that we have left to pass our attorney closing states and the real estate bars and attorneys in those states have been great partners. There's been good dialogue and discussion on these. How do they fit into the process? Do they still have oversight? And so these are the types of security features that we like to highlight with them to say, you're still part of the process, you're still able to do business, and here's how we're making it safe for you and the consumer. Well, I think that's so critical for people to understand that that's there. And I, and I hear, especially in regard to the, uh, the video record, powers of attorney have been the source of major title claims in the title industry for years where later someone comes back and says, well, I didn't sign that, or I wasn't legally capable, or you know, they, they had me on drugs when I signed it. Ron takes that all away. And uh, as one friend of mine who is an attorney uh, was discussing about bankruptcy, that you know, what happens when you're, a, a transaction uh, becomes uh, part of a bankruptcy, and uh, if the issue is raised by the debtor that, um, well, you know, I really didn't execute that document or I didn't seem to understand that. And as he said, well, we just say, let's go to the video. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yep. And, and it's like, oh, you, you say you didn't sign that? Well, that looks like you in the picture. And isn't that your dog? So, uh, yeah, I think that that whole argument uh, is fallacious. 
it really reduces fraud. It helps protect the title industry. Again, in regard to those claims on POAs uh, and those delays on transactions at POAs, where you're waiting for a power of attorney to arrive by way of snail mail. But uh, if you could do a Ron transaction, the closing could have already happened. Well, and I think, you know, when you were talking about being able to see the, the consumer and the talking heads, I think it's worth mentioning too that the documents aren't included in that audio video recording. It is just the talking head. So you still have, again, another added layer of security because you're not showing someone's entire mortgage document, you know, on an audio video recording, but you still have, you still put fear in fraudsters' mind because they're not going to want to be recorded in a session. Yeah. Say, as long as your person is is not sitting there wearing uh, sunglasses and a hoodie and have somehow managed to steal everybody's uh, uh, confidential information to be able to uh, meet the authentication requirements. And of course, gee, wouldn't that tip somebody off? (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, at any point, that's why you have the live human interaction. The notary can end that session if they do not feel it's safe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and something else too, and we've had some guests uh, on FNF Unplugged, who are working with lenders, you know, in real time quality assurance, quality control in regard to uh, mortgage transactions. Can you talk a little bit about how Ron, what role Ron can play and can help in that sort of real time QA, QC that lenders are driving towards and that they're going to expect settlement and title agents to assist with? Yeah, I think a lot of the conversations that we have with legislators and regulators apply to the business space. So, when I'm talking about how it's going to assist lenders by, you know, giving them access to the audio video recording, understanding that there's a digital seal and tamper evident technology. But then again, that all helps them save time, save money, reduce the number of mistakes in the process so they don't have to go back and they can have trust and faith that the process was done with integrity. So again, I think I know it sounds like it should be different, but it really isn't the same the same talking points we take to the regulators who are in many times consumers or sometimes they own a title company or sometimes they are there they were a lender in the space they like to hear a lot of the same things that could help lenders going forward with things like an audit trail and record keeping i think that that gives people peace of mind and a little more trust in the process moving forward i think that's so important as we see more and more of the drive towards the fully digital mortgage transaction and uh, say, and, and you probably remember from your time on the Hill when Director Cordray was the CFPB and he had a big panel and had a big uh, press conference about the digital transaction and how it's just around the corner. And most of the attendees on the panel, when they were asked, and of course they are from FHA, VA, Fannie, Freddie, uh, FHFA, Alta, uh, MBA, that, uh, well, I remember talking about this back in the 90s. That <laughs> seems to be a common, <laughs> common theme, but we're certainly driving towards that. And Ron is certainly a component of um, that fully digital mortgage transaction. I know that Notarize works closely with a lot of major lenders who are driving towards that end, especially in that non-bank mortgage area. At least it seems that way to me, that they are the ones who are really, really pushing uh, in regard with what are you hearing from those lenders as to the fully digital transaction and how fast they want to move forward? And you know, what are their conversations uh, as to uh, Ron's role? I think, again, what we're hearing is once it's put in practice and we figured out the plug and play with the technology and 
how do they fit into the process? Can we get this integration running? I think once that starts moving forward, it's like any new technology, right? Like uh, the process becomes simpler. People understand what to see. For what it's worth, I co-lead, co-chaired the Mortgage Bankers Association Mortgage Tech Vendor Working Group. I wanted to make sure I had that, that title right. We've decided to put a theme around 2022 in terms of technology adoption and dig deep into issues. And so what we're doing is we're getting the vendors together and there are, there are lenders part of that group too, getting all of these tech adoption issues on the table. How do we move forward as an industry and start figuring out where are the roadblocks to broad tech adoption, not just in round, obviously that's the one that I talk about the most and, and comes most to mind, but where are the roadblocks for lenders and the title companies and everyone moving forward? And so we're going to be digging into that this year. So I bet you hear a lot more, you see more data coming out on remote online notarization and and the power of the e-closing as we work through that working group as well. Certainly to that point, uh, uh, I remember at MBA annual, I guess would have been in 19, when um, there were people from Fannie and Freddie and FHFA who were talking about, uh, uh, again, this is in 19, that, well, somewhere in the next uh, five to eight years, we'll probably see 25% of all the mortgage transactions in the country be on a fully digital basis. And then I was in a subgroup meeting with some of the larger non-bank mortgage lenders. I mean, little places like Rocket, Freedom Mortgage, people like that. And they said, man, we're thinking more like 60% in the next three to five years. <laughs> and, uh, and that was in 19. Obviously, COVID disrupted some of those things, but uh, there seems to be a significant drive on uh, in, with mortgage lenders spending money in their uh, technology and in their uh, production uh, capacity. Are, are you seeing and hearing that from your members? I agree. I think that it goes back to what's the consumer expectation. And it's not just one generation. Although the, when we're talking and we're joking about millennials, they're, you know, they're 40 now, right? Some of the oldest ones. So they're definitely prime in the home buying business. You know, Gen Xers are moving around as well. And there's a lot of expectation of, first of all, I want this process to be the way that I want it to be. I want it to be easy. I want it to be convenient. I want to understand it. Because at the end of the day, my end goal isn't a mortgage. My end goal is a home. And so how do I, you know, I, I go through the mortgage process so that I can get the home. And so how, how do we as an industry, you know, from the very first touch point with the consumer through the end of the life of the loan, make that process easy? And I'm a big supporter of digital services to have access to make it easier for someone who has two jobs but is saved up to own a home or somebody who can't do things, take off time during the day or can't drive somewhere at Notarize. We have Spanish-speaking notaries and Spanish-speaking available for, for multiple languages and we're trying to grow that every day. So how can digital services help you? And I think that what the entire industry is carrying is I want an a la carte process to do the things online the way that I want to or in person that I want to. And I want it to make it as convenient for myself as possible. And I think the industry is is reacting to that and um, and to your to your point a little bit quicker because of the acceleration of the of 2020 and the height of the pandemic. And again, going back to earlier uh, comments, uh, an agent I know who in Virginia was a fairly early adapter of uh, 
Ron and closes a lot of Ron transactions. You probably know who it is in the DC Metro, which I know where, where you are uh, at least currently stationed. Uh, and, uh, but the second party that he did a Ron transaction for was a couple who were in their 70s. And uh, they were computer savvy enough to be able to do it. And their comment was, you know, we, I really don't want to have to drive from Reston to Alexandria at rush hour through DC traffic to sign these things. So yeah, very much to your point about uh, it's not just because yeah, Gen Xers want to do everything on their phone. It is that convenience. Well, think about you're saving trees. You're saving trees and you're saving, uh, there is a climate consideration there. If you really want to get down to it, less cars on the road, less paper. And that is something that people care about increasingly as well. So I always think it's worth mentioning. You're you're doing a little bit for the environment as well. <laughs> well, funny you would say that because again, I go way back in the industry to when the fax machine was a big <laughs> technological thing. But I always used to say at the time, the fax machine has saved millions of gallons of gasoline because people don't have to drive around to get documents signed. And, right. and isn't that what we're really talking about here? People don't have to get in their car and drive around and do these things. It can all be done electronically from the convenience, ideally, of their own home. Agreed. If I can work from home, I can close my loan from home. <laughs> exactly. So one question, and, and it's come up here recently because uh, the CFPB sent out a uh, bulletin here uh, almost two weeks ago about, um, well, various fees and charges and competitiveness of fees and charges. And there were a whole raft of things that were sort of thrown in there, and including the words title insurance, which, of course, always perks up our ears. On a regulatory side, again, I mentioned, you know, how Director Cordray had gotten together the group of people a few years ago and how this was going to happen in the next six weeks, which, of course, it did not happen. On the regulatory side, do you see an an impetus there? Uh, I mean, are they helpful in regard to uh, sort of pushing these things forward, especially, you know, on that federal level? Or are they just remote? That's a great question. And Um, You definitely have seen a little inside Beltway baseball here. You know, President Biden and the administration has had a lot of promotion of how do we modernize the government technology and create digital processes through the government. So you've seen a lot of that from the administration. So obviously that flows to other parts. And I think that, you know, the GSEs have, have opened up, you know, states for online notarization and put some guidance there. I feel like other housing agencies are trying to wrap their arms around what exactly is out there and how does it all fit together and does it protect the consumer as it should. And what I like is that I'm hearing more, I'm getting more questions about that. And I think it's a good dialogue to have as we move forward. And I feel now that a lot of the leaders in the Biden administration and the the housing staff and as they're, you know, um, appointed are now being able to buckle down and get down to what's important. And again, they're still, you know, we're still in, we're still dealing with the pandemic. Obviously, we're, we're, we're past the initial height. But as we see more um, come through, I think it's, I think we'll just continue this d- digital services and having access so that we can keep people safe, dialogue. And that obviously translates to the housing regulators as well. So I think, Obviously, they cared before, but again, I think that the pandemic accelerated the chatter 
around it. And so now I think they're looking at their internal processes to see, are there technology, is there a digital opportunity here internally on how we work? And what is the industry doing? Is that safe? How does that plug together? And then how do we have those conversations at the table? So I think now that things are a little, that are starting to feel a little more settled with administration, I think that those conversations may perk up here. I think that's real important for everybody to think about. But yeah, I agree. And, and everything that uh, Director Chopra coming over from the FTC and uh, his experience at the Bureau before and the people who are working there, there, there seems to be you know, this drive on to uh, modernize uh, the industry and therefore make it function better for more people to be more inclusive. Agree. I mean, and you even see this, not just at the federal level, but I like to joke that a lot of the technology ends up getting pushed from, from the state level and then it makes its way up to the Beltway. What I've seen in my career is states will, there are more tech savvy states than others. And so you'll see that you saw this with Ron too, right? Like Virginia, Texas, there were some pioneers in this area in terms of states and offering digital services. And then you get enough of these states and there's a loud enough voice and it's an expected and, and Congress is like, why? Well, how has this not reached us up here? And um, how, how are the regulators dealing with it? And again, once the news spreads, whether it's from the states to federal or federal to the states, you have more adoption across and then trust within the process itself. So I think, I think we see a lot of that in, you know, when we're talking about biometrics and, you know, data protection, a lot of those discussions may be starting in the states and starting to create this wave. And then um, while halted a little bit, obviously, by 2020 at the height of the pandemic, are making their way into bigger discussions at, in D.C. as well. Well, I couldn't agree more. And I think, uh, to my mind, you know, a shout out to uh, all colleagues in Texas. I, I think the Texans really uh, uh, came to uh, grapple with and to put together what seems to me to still be pretty much of a model. Um, for a number of states regarding Ron, and they even had, uh, uh, you know, the good sense that when they saw that certain portions of the statute weren't working that well, they went in and amended it, which is even more shocking because right. typically we, we tend to see legislatures create something, and it's like, well, we already did that. We don't. That's all. We checked that off the box. But no, I think the Texans deserve a shout out in in regard to that uh, and how they came to grips with it fairly early on compared to an awful lot of other states. You know, we've seen a lot of that language, maybe not verbatim, but the framework of that language and some mixture between that and Virginia has driven a, a mortgage banker association, an MBA Alta draft bill, as well as um, spurred conversation at the Uniform Law Commission to, to create state model legislation. Um, let me not forget that MISMO has the RON certification and how those standards, which by the way, if you're listening and you're interested in creating standards and drafting them. MISMO is in the middle of reopening those, those standards for review. So you had a lot of this push, for, again, from the housing space. And, and to your point, like Texas, a lot of things that were done in Texas were repeated in other states and because it was a successful model. Yeah, I could not agree more with you. And, uh, and this is all, you know, it's all great to hear whenever we see that which is actual progress in the title and settlement space. Uh, we have a long history and reputation for really liking to fall back into 18th century uh, uh, processes. Uh, we feel comfortable with those, but but uh, the adaptability and the changes in title and settlement lending 
Uh, well, I, I think the last five years, we've seen more things happen than probably in the previous 25. It's exciting, I think. It absolutely is. And say, uh, I just want to thank you again today for joining us and as to your perspectives on this. Um, I think it's so important because you understand the industry, you understand uh, you know, Ron and, and how it works with technology, but uh, again, uh, how things work in uh, state capitals and in Washington, D.C. Thank you so much, Nicole, for joining us here today. And I uh, look forward to seeing you uh, at uh, the trade association meetings, which I think will fire up again here this spring. Very excited to seeing you again in person in a safe environment. I really appreciate you having me on today. It's not every day that you get to talk about an issue that so directly impacts an entire industry or multiple industries. So it's, it's really fun and I'm very passionate and excited to talk about it. So thank you. Great. Well, thank you again. And thank you to all of our listeners for joining us here today on FNF Unplugged and uh, look forward to uh, talking uh, about other issues as we move forward here into 2022. Uh, hope everybody has a great day. If you have questions, comments, or would like us to feature a specific topic, email fnfeducation at fnf.com. Thanks for downloading FNF Unplugged, a presentation of the FNF family of companies, all rights reserved. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent, including Fidelity National Financial or its directors. Please seek legal or financial advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.